Welcome to Beyond Toast, Episode 9, Pigs on the Wing. Welcome to Beyond Toast. I'm Mike Weston, and this is the podcast where Toastmasters talk about their two greatest passions, food and language. And I'd like to start this week's episode with a reading. The Health Food Diner by Maya Angelou No sprouted wheat and soya shoots, and Brussels in a cake. Carrick straw and spinach raw, today I need a steak. Not thick brown rice and rice pilau, or mushrooms creamed on toast. Turnips mashed and parsnips hashed, I'm dreaming of a roast. Health food folks around the world are thinned by anxious zeal. They look for health and seafood kelp, I count on breaded veal. No smoking signs or raw mustard greens, zucchini by the ton. Uncooked kale and bodies frail are sure to make me run. Two loins of pork and chicken thighs, and standing rib so prime. Pork chopped brown and fresh ground round, I crave them all the time. Irish stews and boiled corned beef, and hot dogs by the scores, or any place that saves a space for smoking carnivores. Now, I'm not against an occasional steak or a nice roast beef, but I definitely feel you need balance. And who might be providing balance in this week's episode? So, over to Tim Patmore. Tim, welcome to the programme. Thank you. Good to be here. It's lovely to have you. Tell us something about yourself. Well, my name's Tim Patmore. I was president of Oxford Speakers Club last year, and I've been various roles with that in Toastmasters. I've been vice president of education, area director. It's almost like Pokemon. Got to catch them all. I've done almost every role on committees, apart from the senior ones. Area director's the highest I've got. I see, I see. So what was your favourite role out of all of those? I kind of enjoyed Vice President Education. It does take a lot of time. I compare it to Netflix. You get to choose what you want to see. I mean, obviously, you're limited to the volunteers that want to stand for a speech, but you can sort of say to someone, could you do a speech? And then you get, like Netflix, you get to get to watch it. It's, it's quite good. Fantastic. I had never really thought about the role like that before, but that does seem like a real perk. Yes, you get to, you get to shape the, <laughs> the stream the way you want it. I was thinking your answer might have been present because you were, you were present when... Oxford, wasn't it Club of the Year last year? Yes, it was. It was. It, it was definitely fun being Club of the Year. I'd attribute it to our club members. There, there's one guy who's done three pathways. But I'm more sort of your Eeyore type figure. I like to do things in the background. There's people who are Tiggers who are great front men. I'm quite good as a front man, but I prefer to do the stuff in the background. Oh, yes. A shadowy manipulator behind the scenes. <laughs> but then, well, I I mean, but no, yeah. As I say, the popular thing is behind every great person, there's someone else you know, providing them the impetus. I know it's usually can be gendered, but I think it's often true. You know, there are people yes. who relish that spotlight, and then there are people who will kind of give them the motivation to get into that spotlight. And uh, I mean, I don't think there's any scaling between these roles. You need to eat mm. all parts of it to work to get anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. They're, they're always behind every front man. You need someone doing the things in the background. Again, it's sort of be, the wonder of Toastmasters is be, being able to turn a hand to any of these skills. And uh, if, if, say, I'm used to being behind the scenes, but it's certainly been an education for me being more of a front man. It's, it's a good skill to learn. 
Excellent, excellent. Speaking of being at the front of things, if you're thinking about food, what is the memory that rushes to the front, demands to be heard, and becomes the memory by which all other foods are judged? So, Tim, what's your favourite food memory? is I once tried a 10-day fast. In fact, I've tried fasting twice. The first time I tried it, it's a real joy to do. gives you a lot more energy. But you do crave certain foods. And at the end of that 10-day fast, I went for crispy duck pancakes. And nothing in the world has ever tasted better. They're just such a lovely, unique type of food. I ran a business for a short while, and one of our best sellers was duck pancakes. But it was fake duck. It was made from soya. I discovered it's the same reason that people who go vegetarian, they miss that taste of duck. It's a very unique taste. It's one of the, uh, the great tastes of the world, I'd say, is, is duck. And you can have it either vegan, because soya is vegan, because uh, there's lots of food substitutes that aren't, or you can have it from the duck, uh, whichever you prefer. I would have to agree. A duck is definitely one of those quintessential, unique tastes. I had it served to me once when I was at this very posh place and it was just that unique taste and then you've got the rich, usually plummy flavours that go with it that just emphasise all of that. But after a 10-day fast, the intensity of that must have been incredible. Oh, yes, yes. Everything about it is kind of unique. I don't think hoisin sauce, uh, you might use it with beef, but it's the, the, the duck, the hoisin sauce, uh, the little bits of cucumber, which, again, is a rare vegetable, and then the little wee pancakes, which... You never see anywhere else. Definitely a unique taste experience. And I went to a Chinese restaurant afterwards and had that, and it was just incredible. Again, the joy of that is it's a meal to be shared, isn't it? You've got all the, the small individual elements. You, you make it suitable to what you particularly want, but you've got friends and family there, and they can choose and pick and choose the bits they want as well. Yeah, so, totally, totally. That's the best type of meal is one you can share. Yeah. Oh, I, think I think that's that's why I think a good food memory ticks the sensation boxes, but also usually has a good family component or friends component, so you've really got it lodged in there. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. During your 10-day fast, I imagine there were moments it was a real struggle and there were probably some comfort foods that, that were calling out to you to take you away from that path and lead you into that, ah, just relaxation and calm in a different way. So what comfort food might you have been drawn off your path by? Oh, uh, I mean, I have a weak spot for either southern fried chicken or chicken and bacon. The combination is just incredible. And again, I'm terrible at this. I tried to run a big vegan business and so many times I've attempted to go vegan. And I have massive admiration for anyone who can do it. But I just crave meat. I always have loved the, the taste of it. Hence why I tried to find substitutes for it. But there's no real substitute for good chicken, good bacon, in fact, bacon, they say, is vegan kryptonite. Anyone who's quit meat, you've chopped bacon before them and they, they can't resist. Not, not that I've tried that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're not going around tempting vegans by waving bits of bacon in front of them. No, no. Good, good to know, good to know. But I would absolutely have to agree. I mean, my partner's a vegetarian or more pescatarian, and I've shifted over 20 years from very much carnivore lifestyle to I think I would have to say probably the nine meals out of ten are, are vegan or vegetarian. 
bacon's one of those things that you, you can't replicate in any other way. You can't use fake duck or, or tofu to mix up a bit of bacon. You can't really get that saltiness. And it's, it's that, that saltiness, that crispiness, that texture, that fat, the way that everything comes together, really impossible to get from anyone else. And yes. yeah, I mean, I think you're right, the chicken and bacon, even the best chicken in the world, actually, no, that's not true. The best chicken in the world does actually have a good taste and you can't differentiate it. The general chicken you get in most places doesn't, and you really need that bacon to give it some, you know, really identify itself and, and make it a sensation on the palate. Otherwise, you could be eating anything. Yes, yes, exactly. It's the blending of those two wonderful flavours. There are substitutes for a lot of these things, but substitute bacon tastes nothing like the real thing. It's like someone who sort of printed it off something. It's just flat, whereas bacon has sort of wrinkles and texture, and yeah, substitute bacon just doesn't hit the spot, really. Ode to Bacon by Robert Okaji How you lend yourself to others, enhancing even the sweetest fig in your embrace over coals, or consider your rendered self, how it deepens flavour with piggish essence, coating, or absorbed, blended, or sopped, O belly of delight, O wonder of tongues, how could I not love you and your infinite charms, even when you resist my efforts and shoot sizzling bits of yourself onto my naked hands? I pay this toll gladly, today and next year, and all those days to follow, till the last piece is swallowed and our sun goes dark. Hyperbole becomes you, smoked beauty, salted love, and I shall never put you down or leave you behind on a plate to be discarded or forgotten, unloved. Why did you get into a business that deals with a lot of vegan foods? Well, I thought it was a niche in the market and I called it You Won't Believe It's Not Me. I should say I, I did close the business because of the pandemic. There's bits and pieces of it going, but you never know, I might revive it in the future. I think there are very few places that do that halfway house where they taste like meat but, but aren't. I also heard this thing of they're producing meat now through bacteria. They're, they're growing it artificially, which is quite an exciting development. I think one day they'll be able to have those replication machines as in Star Trek and they won't need all these substitutes. They'll just create it or, or 3D print it or whatnot. But it seemed a really exciting avenue. Meat causes a lot of climate change. And some aspects of meat aren't good for health. So if we can steer people away from that, that's good. But I guess I was most sort of trying to change my diet because I thought it's a good thing to go towards veganism. To me, they win the moral argument hands down. It's a way better way of living. I would have to agree. I mean, whatever the carbon balances are, you could certainly argue that cutting down forests to produce soybeans causes carbon emissions. But overall, the ethical dimension, you're not tremendously harming a soybean. Or at least they certainly haven't demonstrated any particular characteristics that would make you worry about the ethical concerns, whereas you just need to look at animals. And there's definitely an argument there for giving a little more concern to that. Yes, yes, totally, yes. And one thing that should always be of the highest concern is Mike's Eat of the Week. And this week, my food of choice is shawarma. Now, with this, it is perhaps more notable how long it took me to come round to the idea of shawarma. After all, my great food awakening that I have discussed in previous episodes very much came about in my university years and during this time 
my partner was very interested in Middle Eastern culture, as a practicing belly dancer and as a lover of the cuisine. I therefore had plenty of experience of tempting tabulis, fantastic fatouches, and marvellous meze. But, for whatever reason, my paths did not cross with shawarma at any point during this time, and it is with some embarrassment that I didn't really consider it until watching the Avengers film. And even then, I'm ashamed to say, I couldn't look past my memories of drunken kebabs and see it for what it truly was. Not that there's anything wrong with kebabs, it's just they've always slighted more towards the guilty rather than the pleasure. Fortunately, I eventually put aside my unfair preconceptions and eventually sat down to try shawarma. And I'm very glad I did. Because while it shared some similarities with the humble late-night kebab, it elevated it. It took the mishmash of mystery meats and created something more harmonious. A more subtle interplay of texture and flavour, highlighted by the chilli sauce, cut through by the garlic mayonnaise, balanced beautifully in a bountiful bed of bread. In totality a meal so simple, yet sumptuously satisfying, that it has become the staple of my weekly Friday night takeaway. Surplanting pizza, at least for now. So, Tim, you've enjoyed your comfort food, you've, you've had your ten-day fast, you've prepared for a fantastic feast with friends, and now it's time to ask that eternal question, that if you could have a feast with three other guests, who would they be, from past, present or future, or even fictitious? What would you eat, and where would you go? And a very interesting question. I think, first of all, what one of my heroes is Richard Feynman, the scientist. I think he died 30 years ago, about 1988. He was just a, a great man. He was one of those rarities. He was a really great popular science communicator. They're quite rare and quite exceptional. He would definitely be one person to invite because he, he never seemed to have a boring conversation. You wouldn't necessarily learn much physics from him, which was his domain. He was on the Manhattan Project initially, so he knew his, his physics and he won a Nobel Prize and, and all this. But you'd have an interesting conversation with him, but there wouldn't be much in the way of learning of physics. But he, he's great at uh, communicating aspects of science. A Poet Once Said by Richard Feynman A poet once said, the whole universe is in a glass of wine. We will probably never know in what sense he meant it, for poets do not write to be understood. But it is true that if we look at a glass of wine closely enough, we see the entire universe. There are things of physics, the twisting liquid which evaporates depending on the wind and weather, the reflection in the glass, and our imagination adds atoms. The glass is a distillation of the earth's rocks, and in its composition we see the secrets of the universe's age and the evolution of stars. What strange array of chemicals are in the wine? How did they come to be? There are their ferments, the enzymes, the substrates and the products. There in wine is found the great generalisation. All life is fermentation. No one can discover the chemistry of wine without discovering, as did Louis Pasteur, 
the cause of much disease. How vivid is the claret, pressing its existence into the consciousness that watches it. If our small minds, for some convenience, divide this glass of wine, this universe, into parts, physics, biology, geology, astronomy, psychology, and so on, remember that nature does not know it. So let us put it all back together, not forgetting ultimately what it is for. Let it give us one more final pleasure. Drink it and forget it all. The second one, I think Adele, because she's a wonderful singer, and I think she, she really has a lot of soul and a lot to say. She's also, the thing I really admire her for is she's lost a lot of weight recently. She's clearly one of these people who really has struggled with weight throughout her life. And she now, just to look at her, she, she looks very, very thin. I'd like to ask her, how, how did you do it? I have a friend who lost a lot of weight recently and people who can lose weight, I just admire hugely. Oh, I agree entirely. And for your third guest? Garfield is just awesome. I think it's the longest running comic strip in, in history. There's such wonderful humour to them. And I remember hearing from a fellow Toastmaster that the way the creator of Garfield writes them is he sits there and thinks in the morning and thinks of something funny and something funny Garfield is doing. And then he starts writing his comic strip. So he just sort of whimsically brainstorms on a, a funny idea and then writes it into a comic strip. And I like that sort of idea of a very simple creative process. Yes, Garfield definitely struggles with his way, but uh, it's funny with it. Yeah, so that, those would be my three. Garfield, fantastic choice. He was a fundamental part of my growing up, and I feel a lot of my food-related psyche comes from his gluttonous appetite and love of lasagna and love for life. And yes. So yeah, I, I, th I think sharing a meal with Garfield, it might be a challenge to have a fair meal, since he was a, definitely a, a combative eater. But yes. yeah, <laughs> I loved Jim Davis comics growing up, and lovely to know about his process of thinking. Richard Feniman, there's a book that's spinning around in my head, and surely you're joking, Mr. Feniman, which I remember reading at one point and was just blown away. He, he was just a great bon vivant, you know, the real communicator's communicator. Yes. So I, so I think between Garfield, on one hand, with that kind of you know, raw energy, raw orange energy, Richard Feniman, on the other hand, and Adele would be a great balance in that point, someone who's just fundamentally interesting and probably would have fantastic views into things so yes you've got this fantastic collection so where would you take them and what would you eat the immediate thought that comes up which i'm going to run with is hogwarts because i'm allowed anywhere fictional it has these great dining halls a great menu and also that kind of so it's something that i've missed during lockdown which is community that sort of feel of in ireland they call it crack it's spelled slightly differently, uh, C-R-A-I-C. And it's kind of the, the crack where you're with a bunch of people. And I've been working from home for six months because of lockdown. And I've gone back in and definitely you get more banter and more of a crack in, in an office. And with Hogwarts, I think the lovely thing there is it has the, a great crack. A lot of the Oxford colleges have this setup where you have formal hall. Everyone will sit on the same benches. So everyone is basically equal, apart from the high table at the end. And... Uh, that, that's where I'd set it. And what, what would we eat? My favourite food that I persistently eat is Mexican. By that, I mean burritos, basically. And I think that's what I'd have with chicken and with salsa, lettuce, cheese in wraps. It's great communal food because you, you all share it. So, although you should use knives and forks and stuff, it's great to have food that you make with your hands. It has a much better feel to it. 
That sounds delicious. I am a great fan of burritos myself. Only recently came across them. I mean, it was one of these things that was always mentioned in American serials and podcasts. And but the first time I had one, I just fell in love. And I think in a previous episode, I've talked about my particular love of haggis burritos. So yeah, I think that, <laughs> I, again, falling purely into stereotypes. <laughs> I suppose that would totally work. Because haggis, it, it lights a... That smelly French cheese, it sounds like it wouldn't taste nice, but it does taste nice. Haggis tastes really nice, and it, it would work, totally work in a wrap. I could see that. When you think about it, you've usually got your kind of slightly soft meats, well-stewed, and then the beans. And if you think that the haggis is a combination of the meat and the beans already, you've got a pretty much ready-made burrito mix already there. Yes. In, in my opinion. In my opinion. That's great. I think that's a nice, whimsical, but yet kind of really, really interesting location. And I think a food that would almost fit. I mean, I'm glad you didn't go down some strange Harry Potter style food because <laughs> I, I would have been completely lost at that point. <laughs> yes. But you obviously set up a fantastic meal, but the problem is that in every dinner party, there's always at one point someone strays away from the conversation and takes it into you know, the taboo areas that one cannot talk about. And that is obviously sex, religion and politics. Now, unfortunately, the Sorting Hat has chosen you to be the guest that's going to take the conversation in that direction. So which subject would you choose and why? Oh, those are tricky. Yes, they, they often say with, with Toastmasters, those are the tricky ones to bring up. And, and sometimes you have that thought in table topics. You're like, no, 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 not, nothing political sort of thing or religious or, or whatnot. I guess it's refreshing to see someone who is truly objective, who you can't tell what they believe. They just give you the facts. In argument, there's this idea called the straw man where you just paint your opponent's argument as completely something it's not. But there's also the opposite of that. There's the steel man. And so you can talk politics in an open, inclusive way where you just talk about the facts and leave your opinions on the subject aside. And you can just talk about it objectively. One of my passions is politics. So I'd probably go down that route. You can generally just talk about the virtues and the, the ideas on their merits because often they're not tied to any particular political brand. For instance, at the moment, Boris is going down this route of bikes. He's very, very keen on bikes. And I think everyone loves the idea of bikes, but all parties do this. They do sort of different ideas. I think I'd go down that route and just have, have a conversation about how, how to improve society. I think that sounds like a good response. Trying to take the political discussion away from the ideologies, which are always fixed and always combative, into a, a more open discussion about the problems and potential solutions, not necessarily which one is essentially the best. Because I think the problem is that if you go in with a fixed mind, you're going to come out with a fixed solution. The Girl Who Hated Everything by RCSI1 Are you a Democrat? they asked to little Lacey Eve. The Democrats, Lacey replied, are stupid and naive. Conservative, you must be then. She said, I don't support the impediment of women's rights to be able to abort. Does socialism float your boat? Oh no, cried young Lacey. A union takes away your right to individuality. Capitalism, surely not. The attitude I just abhor. It gives its dollars to the rich and takes them from the poor. Then monarchy is what they in desperation pleaded. A ruler should be chosen not by his birth, she proceeded. Then how about, they asked the girl, a ruler's absence, anarchy? Lacey replied, no rulers mean discarding of responsibility. And communism, Lacey said, has proven itself to be a tool abused, used to oppress the masses. That doesn't at all suit me. 
Now they finally asked a girl, Is nihilism how to live? Now Lacey Eve, she sighed and said, Must we all be so negative? I think that's where Toastmasters really provides value, encourages people to be more open to feedback and potential criticism and actually take it on board in a positive light. Yes. Well, I certainly missed that sort of political discussion. We've had these new binary shouting each other things. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes, ideas can come from anywhere. I feel I should offer an idea from the other side. With rental properties, there's this issue of a lot of landlords don't allow pets. Jeremy Corbyn wrote a policy saying to allow pets, and I quite like that idea. It's, it seems fair. I mean, there are various things you could put to change that policy to, to make it fair to landlords too, but I think great ideas can come from anywhere. I'm glad that you're striking a fair balance there. Unfortunately, the world is not fair. Uh, you have strayed off the path. You have discussed one of the taboo topics. It is Expelliarmus. You are cast out of Hogwarts and you are lost alone, trying to find your way back home in the cold night air. So what guilty pleasure would you turn to during this cold walk back home? What immediately springs to mind is something that's a really absolutely guilty pleasure of Oxford. They have this cafe called G&D's, which is, as far as I've seen, fairly unique to Oxford. Most of the time when it's, say, late at night, say 10, 11 o'clock at night, it's only really pubs and taxi ranks that are really open, that sort of idea, or supermarkets. But there's a missing option, I feel, often, which is cafes. And I don't know why they all feel the need to close at six. But G&D's is an ice cream cafe that's open till midnight. So you don't have to go to either a supermarket or a pub if you're hungry. You can go to the cafe. I should say at the moment it closes at seven because of the pandemic. But generally you could go there and have an ice cream. They do Turkish Delight ice cream, which I don't like Turkish Delight, but their Turkish Delight ice cream is amazing. Or they have this drink, Mad Cow and Holy Cow. Holy Cow is where you get... A hot chocolate and put ice cream in it and a mad cow is where you get coffee and put an ice cream in it it's, it's interesting experimenting with ones that work and ones that don't work i mean if, if it's coffee ice cream obviously that doesn't work but if you have say the turkish delight ice cream or a blueberry ice cream or a fruit flavor it really works well so that would be my guilty pleasure gnd's cafe there's about three or four of them in oxford I've never, sadly, had the opportunity to come across one of those in my many visits to Oxford. Next time, I shall be keeping an eye open. That sounds to me like the, the perfect guilty pleasure in ice cream and also that certain amount of playfulness that was always part of ice cream. Oh, yes. yes. I mean, I think that would definitely raise one's mood after being kicked out of a party. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Blazers Ice Cream by Jack Pretzelutsky. I am Ebenezer Blazer. I run Bleezer's ice cream store. There are flavours in my freezer that you have never seen before. Twenty-eight divine creations, too delicious to resist. Why not do yourself a favour? Try the flavours on my list. Cocoa, mocha, macaroni, tapioca, smoked bologna, checkerberry, cheddar chew, chicken cherry honeydew, tutti frutti stewed tomato, tuna taco baked potato, lobster lychee lima bean, mozzarella mangosteen, Ham and ham meringue salami, yam anchovy prune pastrami, sassafras slovaki hash, 
Sukiyaki Sukatash, Butter Prickle Pepper Pickle, Pomegranate Pumpernickel, Peach Memento Pizza Plum, Peanut Pumpkin Bubblegum, Broccoli Banana Bluster, Chocolate Chop Suey Cluster, Avocado Brussels Sprouts, Periwinkle Sauerkraut, Cotton Candy Carrot Custard, Cauliflower Cola Mustard, Onion Dumpling Double Dip, Turnip Truffle Triple Flip, Garlic Gumbo Gravy Guava, Lentil Lemon Liver Lava, Orange Olive Bagel Beet, Watermelon Waffle Wheat. I am Ebenezer Bleezer, Iron Bleezer's Ice Cream Store. Taste a flavour from my freezer, you will surely ask for more. We've been through our questions. I think you've come up with some fantastic responses, so thank you very much for that, Tim. Is there anything you'd like to take the opportunity to promote or make our audience aware of? With Oxford Speakers Club, we do have a, a contest on the 22nd of September. That's the humorous speaking and table topics. We've already got five humorous speakers, which is very good going. The humorous contests are always great fun. And I think it's a perfect blend of the most fun bits of Toastmasters. The other thing I'd like to promote is Pegasus Speakers, which is a club that's recently started in Milton Keynes. And... I've just been blown away by how passionate they are. They've just blown me away with their ideas. They had a reverse meeting the other day where you do your evaluation first and then you see the speech and it's quite a good opportunity for a hyperbole. You know, oh, this person's going to say this and fly around the room and, and that sort of thing. But also they did one the other day and I confess I nicked this for table topics. They had six speakers who were all different characters from history. So... Joan of Arc, Steve Jobs, Socrates, a variety of people, a real random selection. And they each were dressed up as the character. They each did a speech. It's that scenario where they're in a hot air balloon. You have to chuck out all but one. Give them a parachute, of course. And, but there's one person who gets to stay in the hot air balloon. And they friend the whole meeting around it. And it was just, wow, really good. That sounds fantastic. I absolutely know the experience of setting up a new club and how it can be really difficult to find your feet, find your voice and what it is you want to do with it. They sound like they've taken a running leap at it. Because that's some incredible ideas. Using the balloon problem as a, as a meeting framing device. And that's inspired. Yes, yes. I, I thought that was incredible. It's amazing what you can do with a meeting. I think a benefit of Toastmasters that it encourages the creativity and the, the free thinking. Sometimes you spend enough time with Toastmasters, and I think we probably both have, it, it does sometimes feel you know, that it's a little bit prescribed and there's a process. The joy of Zoom has been, I've been going to different meetings and just seeing the, the ways different people interpret those and take them in bizarre and interesting new directions. I think that's definitely a joy and, yeah, a great thing to be aware of. I definitely put a link to the Pegasus speakers in the show notes and people can hopefully give them a look up while we're still Zooming around. Yeah, that sounds so, good. So, Tim, thanks again. You've been an absolutely joy of a guest. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. I'm just so happy you've made the time. And, and that is it pretty much for this episode. Cheerio. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks for listening. And if you want to provide feedback, rate, review and subscribe wherever you find us on the internet or contact us via email at info at beyondtoast.uk or through Twitter at beyond underscore toast underscore UK. If you enjoy the readings, please do check out other work by the poets. Links are provided in the show notes. So until next week, it's goodbye from Beyond Toast. (laughs) 